San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, good evening, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast to Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760 KFMB, you can hear us on any, on any device. We stream live on 760KFMB.com, and we are on iTunes if, uh, for free if you search the title of the show, It's Your Money and Your Life, and all the podcasts are free at IYMoney.com. And now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CP. Extraordinary. He's an accomplished author, best-selling author, lecturer, a philanthropist, and a family office expert advising several high-net-worth families and an accomplished marathon runner. Richard, good evening. How are you? Doing great, Joe. It's good to be here. <laughs> Boy, Feels like summer. It sure does. We've been getting some. We usually have May, gray, June gloom, but we also, we also have had the July gloom and, and even into August a little bit. So I, I, I'm ready for these uh, sunny, clear days to, to hit. Aren't you? I am certainly ready because I live at the beach. Yes. And then you're getting ready for the uh, AFC, America's Finest City Half Marathon, right? So, so is our engineer, Justin Hart. <laughs> we're going to suffer together for 13.1 miles in a few days. As you know, that was the first and last half marathon I ever did in 1984. Yes, <clears throat> the the year that the Padres uh, got into the World Series <laughs> with that great uh, that great uh, playoff uh, series with the Cubs. Who can who can forget that, right? I was there at all the games. Did you really? Yeah. I sat next to the governor of Illinois. He was really depressed by the end of that whole thing. Who was it, Thompson at the time? Jim Thompson, yeah. He's a big guy, about 6'6", six, six, yeah, right? He was tall. I'm glad he was sitting next to me and not in front of me. <laughs> That's the weirdest thing, though, because they played two games in Chicago and three in San Diego. They'll never do that again, right? Uh, two and three. Isn't, that... No, now they go 2-2-1, two, two, but they yeah. also had off days, so it was really bizarre. I don't know if you remember, but Garvey hit the home run to tie the series two up. Mm -hmm. Then they took a day off. Oh, my God. Oh, it was like game. a Thursday and then yeah, a they Saturday, took a day Sunday. Off. And then played the fifth game. Ooh, all I remember is that Sunday when they won six to three, uh, the pandemonium and how crazy this town went. Boy, that yeah. was a lot of fun. <laughs> it's down to Mission Beach and PV. I'll never forget. We don't, it. we don't have to worry about that kind of pandemonium this year. We'll just go out and run the marathon. And <laughs> there'll be a few people in the seats at Petco, and that's it. Hey, they're almost five hundred. What the heck? Yeah, so, what the heck? But uh, in in any case, we've got a really good show tonight. You know, the, the name of the show is "It's Your Money and Your Life," and nothing is uh, more important than protecting your wealth as you retire and getting onto your. your you in your older years and your estate and all that planning that goes into it. So uh, we have in studio with us a uh, sponsor and friend and a great expert attorney in that field, Brenda Geiger. Brenda, how are you? Great. So nice to be here. Yes. And then on the line, we have your colleague of your latest book, uh, who's in Pennsylvania. And he's uh, with Unruh, Turner, Burke and Freeze, an attorney in Pennsylvania, David Freeze. Dave, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Outstanding, outstanding. So, uh, what, Richard? Uh, should we get into the? Uh, can we do a little, a little bio thumbnail sketch on the bios for for people who may yeah, not? Yeah, let's do that. I, I should mention though, that Brenda is a, the only guest we've ever had who missed a show where she was supposed to be a guest because she forgot to show up in the studio. <laughs> Putting you on the spot. But she had a good excuse. <laughs> but she had She was flying to, was it Thailand the next day? Yeah. Yeah, so I that's a good excuse. She had a like house a full vacation. of in-laws and everything. You got to cut slack. you know, in the slack. spirit of full disclosure. We'll cut you some slack on that. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I'm glad we're all together today. So, but but Brenda, for for the benefit of some guests, uh, listeners who may not have heard before, but uh, if you give us a little, uh, just a you know, a, a small a thumbnail sketch of your bio to to help them f- you know learn who you are, that would be helpful. Um, I'm the managing attorney at a law firm in Carlsbad, California, and we specialize mainly in trust and estates and business law, as well as in elder law planning for long-term care. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what we limit our practice to. And um, I've written several books, and this book that we're going to be talking about today is the sixth book mm-hmm. that I've been involved in getting published. And I just I have... A wonderful team and uh, two lovely children and a great husband. And then born and raised where and went to school where? Um, I am from Wisconsin, moved out here in the late 80s, mm-hmm. and went to college at the University of San Diego. Like in, many of our sponsors and guests, yeah. Yes. Undergrad or law school? Undergrad and law school. Wow. How about that? What a great school it is, too. It's uh, it's uh, I, I know your dean over there, Dean Ferullo, mm-hmm. the new dean. He's a really good guy. So Yeah. How about with Dave on the phone, David Freeze? How about the same, your, your, your bio for the benefit of our listeners? Well, I have a uh, fairly strange background, and I chair the trust and estate section of a law firm on the East Coast. And uh, I went to a colonial-era little liberal arts college called Dickinson College in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the University of Pennsylvania Law School. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been in practice in Pennsylvania ever since, but... Um, I have clients all over the country because I help do some strategic advising to lawyers and clients when they're thinking about the big picture stuff. And then their local counsel in um, in each of those states actually uh, prepares the document. But mm. um, that's what I do. I just work with people who are trying to set up predominantly my clients' goals are to minimize federal state tax and minimize probate fees. But for most of them, it's more important to kind of protect their assets for their kids so they don't lose them in a divorce or a lawsuit or, uh, you know, a car accident or something like that. And David, David, this is not your first first book either. How many books have you written? Oh, uh, either on my own or with uh, Brenda or someone. I think this might be five or six. Um, One of them I wrote was a communication skills book, which is really how interrogators and spies would use the techniques they learned to raise their kids. (laughs) (laughs) Language of parenting, so... Wow. Um, yeah, cool. so I, I had some training in communications skills, and, and uh, I just thought people would always ask me after when I teach them, like, oh, well, this is good to know in business, and I use it all the time, but what would you say to your 14-year-old son if he said that? I wrote a book, and now whenever anybody asks me, I just hand it to them. Well, I, well, I see on your website here, it's uh, the, the subtitle, Building Great Family Relationships at All Ages, so that might be something people definitely want to look into. Boy, you you have varied. In, you, you did Einstein's Business Dream Incorporated, and uh, interesting stuff there. So, but uh, obviously the the subject matter tonight is uh, the new book with Brenda. So, how did you and Brenda even cross paths and decide you wanted to collaborate on a publication? Well, I will let Brenda tell you that story because this is her brainstorm, and she is an awesome and thoughtful attorney that comes up with a lot of good things for her clients. Wonderful. (laughs) Brenda, you're on. (laughs) Gee, thanks. I've known Dave for a number of years through uh, an attorney group that we both belong to, and I just called him up one day, and I said, hey, um, I've got this idea for a book. I know we both serve the same demographic of clients. Um, you know, we both like to work with and enjoy working with 
high net worth individuals that are trying to protect their families and trying to mitigate estate taxes. So I said, hey, why don't we write a book aimed at that mm-hmm. and um, just come up with, you know, what are the major things that we see in the estate planning toolkit that can be utilized to help these families and let them, you know, act, act, have this act as a primer so that they understand what the strategies are. And that way it would be easier for us to communicate with them when they come in to see us hmm. and do the counseling. Outstanding. So that was about two years ago, mm-hmm. and we've been working on it, you know, not I, I would say fast and furious, but that, that would not be entirely accurate. <laughs> we would work fast and furious, and then we would, you know, kind of slack off, and then fast and furious slack off. Brenda speaks light. She would work fast and furious on it, and then have to remind me to get stuff to <laughs> That's always the challenge with a co-author. <laughs> yes, I was, I was that co-author. <laughs> we well, got it done, though. Well, how, how did the process work? Did, did you both determine that you're going to take different chapters or subject matter and then, and, and then read each other's work and, and do it that way? Or how did, how did the project go? Well, that is, in fact, uh, how we did it, because we wanted to create a, a kind of unified voice. So there wasn't a disconnect with the client. But we also you know, realized that uh, lawyers have different perspectives on these things. And so it was a good way to write how we'd kind of explain this to a client or lay the foundation so the client could understand what we're talking about. But some of these things are the creation of the Internal Revenue Code or the creation of lawyers trying to gently get around sections of the Internal Revenue Code. And um, so they're complicated. And it was great. It turned out to be great because we'd each write and then we'd say, well, I would do it this way or I'd do it that way. So it was just a good tool to flesh out the issues. And then when we would show it to other lawyers, of course, they had their own opinions about these things. But um, um, that, that turned out to be a fairly smooth way to create a book that was really readable by clients that could understand it and that meshed the most important parts of what we both thought. Outstanding. Well, you've piqued our curiosity there, David, and we'll have to take a little break right now, but we'll come right back with expert estate planning attorneys right after this. Hang on. All right, we're back with expert estate planning attorneys Brenda Geiger here in Carlsbad and David Fries in Pennsylvania, both uh, heading up law firms, and uh, in their spare time, they're writing excellent books for their clients and anyone else interested. So... Richard, I think we so, ought to so, go over so some. So, Dave, of the- Brenda, and I have this esoteric joke. We were wondering if your your nickname is Estate, as an estate freeze. Some of our listeners would actually get that joke. Estate, because we've got a very very sharp group of listeners. Estate, like is in no Estate, E S T A T E freeze. Is oh, that your nickname? Like East E A S. Like an estate freeze. Anyway, it's an I inside thought you, joke. I thought you meant E hyphen state no, or something. No, no, estate <laughs> freeze is when you do some planning to make sure the value of the estate doesn't grow. Oh. But but towards the end of that joke... That's inside baseball. That's inside baseball. <laughs> I want to ask a question. The the um, history of estate planning is a very interesting one because we have over about the past 15 years had a huge increase in what's known as the exemption or exemption equivalent back in the 1990s, for example. Somebody would pass away and you only got a $600,000 equivalent you know, amount of assets that were not subject to estate tax and that amount is now up to almost five and a half million dollars and what with um inflation indexing is actually going to creep up slightly over the years so i, I wanted to ask um attorneys who've been doing estate planning for a long time and brenda you can answer this too 
has the focus of the practice changed quite a bit because of what's happened with the exemption and, and the fact that maybe 20 years ago we had millions and millions and millions of taxpayers that the estate tax might apply to, whereas now the number is greatly reduced because the exemption has gone up so quickly in what might be described as a relatively short period of time. Who wants to tackle that? David, are you still there? I, I, I'm right here. Okay. And, uh, you know, I have been doing this for a long time, although I do invite clients when I say that to um, say that I look too young to have been doing it for that long. And <laughs> mo most of them did not take me up on that. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, the quick answer is that because of this rapid increase or relatively recent increase in the amount that's exempt from federal state tax, um, we kind of tell clients that um, unless his, hers, and their assets combined exceed $5,430,000, is generally speaking, or are on a rapidly rising curve, it's generally speaking not even something you need to talk about. And you don't really need to get into too many fancy techniques until you get above $5 million, or if you're married um, and careful about how you do this, um, you can protect almost $11 million now. Um, but But... It, it is so it is true that many fewer people are subject to this tax than they were but it's also true that the way it's set up at the death of the first spouse the surviving spouse still has to do some fancy things they have to file a 706 which is a federal estate tax return it almost doesn't matter what we call it but it's a much more complicated document than most people think of when they just talk about income tax mm -hmm. returns and in order to be protected the, the surviving spouse has to do something. So I'm on a, on a kind of a rampage to remind everybody that they have to do this because they've heard, well, we could shelter $11 million and we're not going to be subject to the tax. But that does not happen automatically. So one of the things that I'm doing, and I'd be curious to hear what Brenda's doing, is we're just making really sure that when people do their planning, they understand that that $11 million isn't automatic. By the way, there's a reasonable question. Uh, that should be debated more in our government, the cost of enforcing this tax may, depending on who you talk to, exceed the amount of money that the government makes from tax. Oh, my God. Agreed. I'm one of the crazy people who walks around in the presentations that I do that states that there is a distinct possibility that someday the estate tax could be repealed. We'd obviously have to have a House and a Senate and a presidential office all controlled, presumably by Republicans, for that to ever happen. But you're correct. I think it was predicted that there's probably only about 3,500 estate tax returns filed every year where the decedent actually pays estate tax. Obviously, there's a lot more filed, as you mentioned, because at the death of the first spouse, there's a lot of work to do to protect that first exemption. But the point is to have a tax regime where you have three, four, five thousand taxpayers a year only, you might say that's not really good public policy. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that as well. But um, back to what Dave was saying earlier about the changing landscape of how we practice. Um, Dave, a lot of what we've been doing lately are um, when we have a blended family or a family that's concerned about asset protection for a surviving spouse or making sure that the assets pass to the residuary beneficiaries that they've chosen together, we've been looking at Clayton elections um, which have to do with the 706, you know, making the election on the 706. 
But that, you know, because right now capital gains are big. That's probably the biggest issue that we're dealing with when we've got a client that's got five to $10 million. We don't know where the estate tax exemption is going to end up down the road. And we may not want everything um, that the decedent had being in a bypass trust, having a low basis at the date of death of that first spouse. And then if the surviving spouse, um, you know, lived on for, let's say, 10 or 20 or longer years, then, you know, we've got a significant potential gain in that bypass trust where we could have gotten it into the um, the surviving spouse's estate, but still had it protected in a Q-tip trust. I know this is kind of a complicated scenario, but it's something that I'm looking at a lot more with clients. Yeah, it's, it's certainly not as easy to make decisions as it used to be because of the increased exemption. But the point I want to make is, I've no, I'm a I'm a CPA whose background is a state gift and trust. And the point I want to make is, because you, you also talk about wealth protection or asset protection, I've noticed that a lot of the techniques that we used to utilize strictly for purposes of reducing or eliminating a state tax also seem to work pretty well if we're concerned about protecting assets. I refer to certain things like family limited partnerships, certain types of trusts. Um, they, they have a very strong application, in my humble opinion, over on the wealth protection side, even if they're not providing any estate tax benefit. Yes, yeah, your humble opinion is right on the money. And, and I say to clients, look, we, when, we, when we did these things before, we were talking about two main reasons to do them. The one that you liked was that we were going to save federal estate tax. But you also got this benefit that if you left the assets outright to your spouse or left them outright to your daughter or son, and your spouse remarried and got divorced or got sued or your son or daughter got divorced or got sued for business or a car accident or something, then all those assets were subject to being taken away from them. And that was another – in those days, you used to think of it as a side benefit of mm -hmm. any of these planning techniques, and whereas now, I think because so many fewer people have to worry about the federal estate tax, we can make that creditor protection – a really primary focus of these things, and, and we can build some more flexibility in and not be so worried about taxes and really create uh, quite a flexible, useful asset protection vehicle. And, and a lot of my clients worry about that. You know, there's a 52% divorce rate, and they just say, well, you know, I don't want this shore home that I thought of as a place where I raised my kids and where they love it. I don't want that to go away if there's a divorce. So, so Brenda and I are thinking the same way as you. We, we use all of these techniques you're talking about uh, either alone or in conjunction with one another. Like for example, with a family limited partnership, you could put assets in and give the kids the partnership interests directly, or we could put those partnership interests into uh, asset protection kind of trusts. And uh, they've got, you know, asset protection is all about building a wide moat and then a tall wall and putting archers on the top of it, the more techniques you use stacked on top of one another, the less likely anybody's even going to try to get inside. And so we, uh, you know, we often use two or three or four of the techniques we mentioned in the book kind of stacked on one another. It, and it all depends on how motivated you are to keep these assets out of the hands of the the creditors or in the case of a divorce of your heirs. And some of my clients are very highly motivated to do that. So, hmm. Well, we have to take another little break here, but we'll be back with David Fries and Brenda Geiger, the pit bulls of asset protection in the legal field, <laughs> right after new sports weather. Hang on. <laughs>
All right, we're back to the second half of the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life. This is the time where Richard thanks our sponsors. A big thank you, as always, to our sponsors. We couldn't do it without our great sponsors. They include and are limited to. This is not one of those legal terms of, you know, including but not limited to. This is the precise roster. UBS, Michael Caranta and Drew Friedis. Really appreciate it. Mike and Drew. We were joking about the name Drew before the show because Joe was having a problem with the name Drew. I'm not sure why, but Drew Friedis and Michael Caranta, UBS, couldn't do it without you gentlemen. Recent guest, Jason Kruger with Signature Analytics, by far and away, the best CFO firm here on now the West Coast, now that they've got offices across five locations in this region. Again, Jason Kruger, CPA. Our other favorite CPAs, more traditional firm, Don Epic and Paul Polito, Polito Epic CPAs up in San Marcos. Carl Sheeler with Berkeley Research Group, by far and away the best business valuation firm I've ever run into. Carl helps business, businesses and their owners understand the risks that drive the values of the businesses, and they find ways to reduce those risks and increase value. Speaking of making money, Joel Gruskin with Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. Of course, to protect those assets that you're now saving with Joel and Carl, we have Brenda Geiger, our guest, along with David tonight, the Geiger Law Office specializing in estate planning and asset protection. A guest coming up next month in September, Neil Staley with... Hub International, also known as Mars Maddox Insurance, a great employee benefits firm, a very hot topic now, especially given the Supreme Court vote on health care reform about two months ago. The LG Experience and the Lombardi Group helping wealth advisors develop amazing relationships with CPAs so that CPAs can develop amazing relationships with their very best clients. Also, Paul Hines, Hearthstone Private Wealth Management. Paul, of course, heads up the Financial Elder Abuse Prevention Organization here in San Diego. Check out endfinancialabuse.org. Great cause. And last but not least, check out cldclassic.com. Yes, we don't have enough to do during Thanksgiving week with my Oceanside Turkey Trot, so we are bringing women's professional tennis back to Carlsbad Thanksgiving week at the Park Hyatt Aviara. Again, cldclassic.com. Having 18,000 people over Thanksgiving morning for my big turkey trot isn't enough for me to do, so I thought I'd add something else in there to stay busy. <laughs> While somebody else cooks the turkey. And Joe, how can our listeners find out about these great sponsors? Well, all they have to do is get over to IYMoney.com and get their cursor over to the sponsor tab. There's a drop-down menu there, and they can find out all, all their personal information, their their phone numbers, their emails, whatever they need to get in touch with the client, with the uh, the sponsor. And we should give uh, Brenda Geiger's website out. It's Geiger, G-E-I-G-E-R, lawoffice.net. So I mean, there's a lot of complicated things we're talking about tonight, and you may need more time with Brenda one-on-one. I would yeah, think. And Brenda, what's your phone number? Uh, 760-448-2220. There you go. So anyway, here's a real-life story about how I discovered how valuable these estate planning tools were for estate planning back in the late 1990s. And then Dave and or Brenda, you can comment. Back in the late t- 1990s, we, I had a client who had a very substantial estate. I mean, well over 600000 I mean, well over $10 million. And so they did a series of entities like family limited partnerships and so on. And of all things, their only child, they had no grandchildren and only one child, their daughter passed away, unfortunately, under rather mysterious circumstances. And her husband, about six weeks later, remarried a woman he had been having an affair with for many, many years that nobody knew about. Sounds like an American Greed episode. Exactly. And then, you know, about two weeks after that marriage, he contacted everybody and said, well, you know, all those assets in that family limited partnership that I'm, or that my 
wife's trust was the you know 80% limited partner beneficiary of could you just distribute those to me now <laughs> and we said well you know we'll send you something in the mail it's going to be the k1 of all the income you get to pay taxes on but you're not going to see a dime of anything because the way this thing was drafted it was really really strong for asset protection and that was as david mentioned that was just like a little benefit david and brenda that the attorney threw in just in case someday something weird happened but it was done entirely to save estate taxes yet we found we had this thing that basically put us in the driver's seat with regard to what the husband's expectations were about his inheritance and it was really cool to have that kind of um, shall we say control over a very unfortunate situation yeah I think that's what you want is when you go to talk to somebody like Brenda, you want to be talking to somebody who has not just the theory but the practice down, and they've done this for lots of people. And here's why you want that. I mean, besides the obvious advantage of having somebody that limits their practice and knows what they're doing, when you have somebody that's been through these situations like you have with that husband, you, you have this depth of experience. You know what can go on that's not just in the theory. And you can discuss that with the clients. I mean, I have clients that are willing to pay more to have certain features, and I have clients that say, no, that particular thing's not valuable to me. But at least we've talked about it, and they've made an intelligent decision about whether they want that tool in the toolbox or not. Hmm. Well, we should give the title of the book and when it's going to be released and everything else. Uh, what do you say, Richard? It's a, it's yeah, a, Brenda, fire. It's a long title. Well, it's Estate Planning Secrets of the Affluent, Protecting Your Family and Preserving Your Wealth. And it's co-authored by Brenda Geiger and David Fries, both uh, attorneys at law. And when is it getting released, uh, Brenda? It should be out probably in the next four to six weeks. Outstanding. It's been completed by the publisher. We just need to approve it. Mm-hmm. Then we'll go to print. Yeah, I was proofing pages 17 and 18 on the break for Brenda because she's got a manuscript here. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's give some of the, the chapter titles. What do you say for the benefit? Well, Brenda, I had a question before we do the chapter mm-hmm. titles. Okay. So is this book sort of the evolution of the progression of your practice? And David, maybe I should ask you the same question. Or do you guys just do books in like random order, non-order? Um, I... <laughs> I I think the reason we saw this as, as something that needed to be done is because there isn't a lot out there that really explains the basics of the mm-hmm. more complicated estate planning, and we wanted a primer. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, yeah, as yeah. an evolutionary, you know, I think we both saw the need in our practices sure. to have that. Makes sense. So for our listener, I'm not going to go every, over every title. There's uh, 16, including the summary, but Dynasty Trusts and the Q-tip you were mentioned, which is really a qualified terminable interest property trust. Uh, there's irrevocable. But, there's but all kinds can we, of... Can we talk briefly about Dynasty Trusts? Because you hear that term and people think of some TV show down in Dallas or something. <laughs> <laughs> what is that all about, the Dynasty Trust? I mean, in a nutshell, because I, I haven't even heard it myself. Brenda? Do we have to draw straws here? Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Everybody, Justin. Dave, you want to comment? That was, that was your, you want to comment on that chapter? Sure. Well, and, and I will say this, that lawyers of the general public use that term to cover a wide range of turf. But typically what they mean by that, when lawyers talk about it, and typically what a sophisticated client means by that, is that they want to set up a trust that's not going to end at the death of one child for, you know, the first generation, that it's going to go on, that this is the type of trust that people want to set up when they want to provide for their children and then their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. And 
there's a lot of mistaken conceptions about this because when we say that people are going to use generation skipping and make this trust work so that it doesn't get taxed generation after generation, they get confused and they think, oh, no, I, I want to give money to my children. I also want to give money to my grandchildren. I want to protect them. But there is a way that you can set up a trust that will not be taxable when it goes to your children. And then it won't be taxable when they pass away and it goes to their children. And by deferring or eliminating the tax for multiple generations, um, insurance assets and other assets that you might put in this trust can become very valuable because they can grow through time without the uh, the 40% federal uh, estate tax that would otherwise be incurred at the death of each generation. So it, it is the type of pool that people use when they want to protect their children, but they also want money to be used for their grandchildren. Now, there's, a, there's something interesting to note there. If you do a dynasty trust, you have to be careful because the trustees are going to want to be awfully careful about giving out money to any generation because they're always going to be afraid that the next generation will sue the trustee mm -hmm. and say, you were too generous with my mom and dad. Why didn't you save that money for me? Mm -hmm. So lawyers that do a lot of these, or uh, and lawyers like Brenda and I that talk to people about them with more frequency, we we know those nuances that you've got to think about. So, for example, you could say to the trustee that each generation can be treated in the discretion of the trustee um, without a lot of regard for the other generation. In other words, yeah, I want to take care of my grandchildren, but I want to take care of my children first. And then, yes, I want to take care of my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren, but as long as my grandchildren are alive, they're the they're, they're preferential treatment. So there's, there's no one way to strike the balance here when you do a dynasty trust, but there are lots of nuanced ways that you could draft it. And the key thing is a dynasty trust is one where somebody's going to pass it on to multiple generations. Outstanding. We have to take a little pause right now, though, for our last break. Though We'll be right back with David Fries and Brenda Geiger, estate planning expert attorneys, right after this. Hang on. Right, we're riding into the last phase of this uh, great show, It's Your Money and Your Life, with our guest, uh, estate planning attorney, expert attorneys, Dr uh, David Fries in Pennsylvania, Brenda Geiger here in San Diego, and Carlsbad. And Richard, take it away for the last segment here. Real quickly back on Dynasty Trust, don't, don't we need to be sensitive to what state laws that we want to maybe be covered by when we draft these kinds of trusts? And if so, what, why? Which, who do you want yeah, to um, there's only a few states that allow for a trust to go on perpetually forever. Um, some examples would be Pennsylvania, where Dave practices, Alaska, South Dakota, Delaware. Um, there are a couple few, a uh, couple others. I believe Illinois is now part of that. Mm -hmm. But in California, we only have about 90 years that a trust can go on. So we only have about three generations. So yeah, it, it, and also um, Nevada doesn't have a, an unlimited rule. Um, they have a 365 year rule. That's a long time, 365 years though. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so for the really big estates, the point here is that, yeah, you might want to have your trust being governed by one of those states, or if you're lucky to, to just be in Pennsylvania like Dave, you know, it's, it's kind of a no brainer. But, um, you know, for somebody like me in California, if I've got a client that's really got a lot, you know, we might want to have that um, situs somewhere else mm -hmm. in another state. Agreed. And then I want to talk about some new stuff, so to speak, that's going on, or at least rumors floating around. The first of which is that these valuation discounts that uh, we are so f 
familiar with and that we like so much to you know utilize to reduce a taxable estate obviously there's been great discussion about the fact that the administration is pushing hard to simply legislate those out of existence you think that's going to happen um, I, I've heard some credible rumors in some of the um, continuing legal education events that I've been to recently that, that, that they're gonna, the Treasury is going to try to regulate that come Labor Day. Um, Dave, what have you heard? Same thing. Um, I am always skeptical um, just because Congress cannot really seem to get its act together miraculously. We, we got this increase in 2013 retroactively applied. Um, you know, that, that raised everybody to the $5 million and mm-hmm. with an inflation adjuster. So you can never be sure, but certainly Treasury has, has always had minority discounts in its sights, and it doesn't like them and it doesn't want them. Uh, there is an inherent logic behind them, though, that makes very good sense and is reflected in the real world. What we're talking about for listeners is that if I own 100% of something, I'm going to sell you 100% of it, fine. But if I own 42% of it and I don't control it, you might not want to pay me 42% of the value of the asset because I don't I have less control than I might otherwise. And so for that reason, we've always argued uh, for our, to our client's advantage in many cases that assets are worth less than it seems that they're worth. And that, and that is true in the real world. I mean, if you do, I mean, there's studies out there about the sales of fractional interest, and they sell at a discount to their underlying percentage value. There's no question. Yeah, so if this legislation goes through, it'll be saying, as is so often the case with legislation, I think, let's ignore economic reality and play in a pretend world. Um, so you know where I stand on it, but, um, um, you know, I, I have heard that uh, consistently for years now the Treasury is looking for an opportunity to do, to do away with minority discounts. Yeah, and of course the Treasury's objection is that people do this planning, and the Treasury says, well, you had no business purpose for, for doing this. You only did it to reduce your estate tax, and so that's what really irks them. Um, speaking of um, types of assets, retirement plans, there's a general misconception out, I think, in the world, and I'll ask both of you to comment on that, this, that if you happen to have your assets in a retirement account of whatever kind it might be, an IRA, a 401k, a qualified plan, a defined benefit plan, that, that putting assets in a retirement plan, that's basically all the asset protection you ever need to do with that retirement plan because somehow retirement plans are magically brilliant and great asset protection techniques in and of themselves. Is that is that a misconception? Yeah. Um, a lot of times people don't realize that you know, a their beneficiary, if it's on you know somebody other than their spouse, can take and stretch that account because the law changed in 2003, mm-hmm. allowing for that to happen, and that stretch can be so much more than that, that beneficiary taking the money out at the time of death of their you know oftentimes their parents, mm-hmm. and right now our taxes are so high that you know in California that we're looking over 50%, you know, on a a large account, you know, I'm talking about something that would put somebody in the top tax bracket for the income tax. Right. But on the flip side, the asset protection, they have none. We had a big U.S. Supreme Court case last June um, in 2014, and it was unanimously decided that um, an inherited IRA does not have asset protection in the bankruptcy context. So this woman who inherited a really large IRA and then she stretched it and later went bankrupt, she tried to claim that was an exempt asset on her bankruptcy mm-hmm. petition, but the court 
um, said, no, we disagree. You know, A, you can pull out money now. You don't have to wait till you're 70 and a half. You can no longer contribute any money to that account. Um, so it's not going to be considered like a retirement account. So public policy is that, you know, you're not going to get the same benefits that the original owner had. So what we do in our land is to create a legal structure, a specific type of a trust, retirement plan trust, to be the receptacle, the beneficiary or contingent beneficiary if somebody's married, that would um, hold that RMD that comes out annually if the trustee stretched. And then we get asset protection for the main of the account and in some cases for the RMD too. So there's different ways to draft it. So this is a great asset protection tool as well as a stretch out tool. So in other words, planning centering around retirement accounts has changed dramatically because of this case that's about a year old. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we've always done these, well, not always, but we for years had done these trusts before this case came up. But, you know, you got to be looking at what if your child gets divorced? What if they go through a bankruptcy? They have a creditor issue. They have a lawsuit waged against them. You know, even if it's from a car accident for or for a business that's gone south, there are all these creditor issues, and it doesn't need to be taken from their child. Hmm. There you go. Well, as far as the book, before the time gets away, how do, how would uh, listeners get a co- be able to get a copy of the book once it's released? Well, for um, anybody who would like a copy, they can go to my website and they can, which is geigerlawoffice.net. Mm-hmm. If they just go on to the contact us page mm-hmm. and they request it, we'd be happy to send them a copy. I also have a copy of a book on retirement uh, plan trusts as well. So if anybody's interested in that topic, or um, there's, I developed a, a website calculator for calculating what that amount would be for an inherited IRA for mm-hmm. somebody that's like a child that's mm-hmm. going to inherit, and that's under the About Us section under so all, RMD. So, so all these books, uh, if someone's interested, they contact you, and you're, you will send them a book. Is that Yes. Right? Yes, I'd be happy oh to do gosh. that. And, and, David, how do people get your books? And I apologize. I'm not sure that we asked you to state your website and phone number and so on. No, no problem. If you're uh, in PA and you w- want this, you can reach us at 610-933-8069, and uh, they will either send you a book, uh, or if you just want a PDF of it, you want to take a look at it uh, first, uh, you can go to paestateplanners.com, and you'll see it there. Outstanding. Well, wow, what 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 great uh, gifts to give somebody, you know, for holiday gifts and everything, right? For some of your your elder relatives who uh, who have to uh, explore these these yeah, subjects. Yeah, but the, the asset protection isn't just for older people, do the asset protection? I mean, I mean, I'll tell you who this applies to. That's people who own very successful, closely held family businesses, mm-hmm. because those people just seem to have a target on their back these days. Mm-hmm. Well, it's very as as you folks can see, there's very complicated material here. And uh, you need to get to, with the experts like Brenda and David to uh, to explore these things for your future and your family's future, I would imagine. Right, Richard? Absolutely. So, Brenda, quick question. When you, when you missed our radio show a few months ago to go to Thailand, how was your trip? <laughs> I'm just curious. Did you enjoy Thailand? I, I was actually on the beach writing part of this book. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> you believe that, David? I, I, it's true. It's true. <laughs> In Thailand, she was submitting things to the publisher, which is very bad for me. Because <laughs> Makes you look bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Anyway, uh, <laughs> we have to wrap it right there. But David uh, Freeze in David, Pennsylvania. David, thank you. Brenda, thank you. Thank Brenda you. Geiger, thank you for being here. Richard, always great to see you. Justin Hart, our sound engineer, thanks for making us sound terrific. Thank you to Craig Blanke, our con executive, and to Dave Sniff, our programming genius here at KFMB. Next week, former NFL executive and former Charger executive Jim Steig will talk all about... Are the about, Chargers going bye-bye? I don't know. We'll find out next week. We'll know more with Jim Steig and uh, all these podcasts are commercial-free at iwamani.com and you can get learn more about our guests and get their information there. Good night. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye now.